So tonight's drosh is gonna be all about Shavu O. And like always, if you happen to miss anything or you want to go back and review something, you can do that through our website, godhonesttruth.com. Click on the post for Shavuot. You'll be able to watch the video over again. And you'll also be able to have the drosh slides that you see on your screen right here that you can control at your own pace. Especially useful for nerds like me who like to take notes and stuff like that. So go check it out at godhonesttruth.com. This is also going to be a short drosh. There's only about 32 slides. So definitely less than what we had, you know, previous weeks, especially last week. If you happen to miss last week's drosh on the Noahide laws, go look that up in the list of on-demand videos on your preferred platform, whichever one that you are watching on right now. <clears throat> so Shavuot, what even is Shavuot? Maybe you're just hearing this for the first time. Maybe you don't know that much about it, but in a nutshell, Shavuot is a two-day appointed feast or what we call, I'm sorry, appointed time or what we call a Moedim that occurs about 50 days after Pesach. Technically it's 50 days after the first Shabbat of Pesach. And it is a harvest festival. There are pretty much two harvest festivals or two main harvest festivals within scripture. That's Shavuot. And like we all know, the last one at the end of the year, Sukkot. Now, Shavuot comes from the Hebrew word Shavua, which means week. Shavua is the singular term for one week. However, Shavuot technically is the plural form, meaning weeks. But Shavuot is also the name of this Moedim that we're talking about now that occurs 50 days after the first Shabbat after Pesach. We'll get into all that in just a minute when we get into scripture. But Shavuot is also referred to in scripture as the Feast of Weeks. You can find that in Exodus 34.22 and Deuteronomy 16.10. The Festival of Reaping as found in Exodus 23.16. And the Day of the First Fruits, Numbers 28.26. Which may seem kind of confusing right there. Because if Yeshua rose three days and three nights after Pesach and that's first fruits. How is it also now at Shavuot called first fruits? Okay. So don't get confused there. It doesn't take the place or negate what happened back after Pesach. Okay. It's just also referred to as the day of the first fruits as well. So like always, let's dive into some good old scripture. That's always where our foundation and our basis for anything needs to be rooted in. First, we're going to start out with Exodus 23, verses 16 through 17. And the festival of the harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the festival of the ingathering at the outgoing of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males are to appear before the master Yahweh. So here in this one section, it's referring to both Sukkot, which it's calling the festival of the harvest. And then at the end of the year, it's referring to also Sukkot. Did I say that right? 
Yeah, Shavuot, Festival of Harvest, and then Sukkot, which is referring to here as the Festival of the Ingathering. Very, very interesting. But these two harvest festivals are also part of the triad of times during a year that a male is supposed to go and present himself before Yahweh at the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, Those three times in the year are Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Now, we are currently prevented from being able to do that. Why? Well, there's no temple standing right now. Okay. Now, when the third temple is built, then understand that if you are a male, you are required by scripture to present yourselves on these three days throughout the year. Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Okay. But Third temple is not standing right now, so just keep that in mind. Then we go on to Exodus 34, 22 through 23. And perform the festival of Shavuot for yourself of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times in the year, all your men are to appear before the master Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel. So again, reiterating pretty much what we just read in the previous passage. And then we look at Numbers 28, 26. And on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to Yahweh at your festival of Shavuot, you have a set-apart gathering. You do no servile work. Here's another important point about Shavuot. Shavuot is, does not fall on Shabbat. Obviously, from what we just mentioned, and we'll get to here in some more scripture, Shavuot falls the day after a Shabbat, okay? But Shavuot is also a day of rest. You do no servile work, which means you don't go to your job. You don't labor in the field. You don't cut the yard. This is what's referred to as a sort of like a Shabbaton. It's not the main weekly Sabbath, but it's also it's referred to as a type of Sabbath, okay? We do no servile work. But you can, on these days, you can cook your food and stuff like that. Whereas on regular Shabbat, you would not do that. Then Deuteronomy 16.10. And you shall perform the festival of Shavuot to Yahweh your Elohim according to the voluntary offering from your hand, which you give as Yahweh your Elohim blesses you. Now, check out this next passage. Leviticus 23.15-16 and 21. And from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count for yourselves seven completed Sabbaths. Until the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, you count 15 days. Then you shall bring a new grain offering to Yahweh. And on this same day, you shall proclaim a set-apart gathering for yourselves. You do no servile work on it, a law forever, in all your dwellings throughout your generations." This one passage right here tells us lots of things. Let's start off in order as it brings it up here. Now, if you'll notice, it says, and from the morrow after the Sabbath. Well, if you look at this entire passage right here, this is talking about right after Pesach, okay? And right after Pesach, it's saying from the morrow after the Sabbath, after Shabbat. Now, the first day after Pesach, okay, is 
considered a Sabbath by lots of people because there is no servile work done, right? You take the day off on the first day of unleavened bread. But Scripture in this passage here and all throughout the rest of Scripture never refers to that first day of unleavened bread as Shabbat, okay? And here, when it's speaking about Shavuot, it's specifically saying Shabbat, okay? So that's how we know that we don't start counting after the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We start counting after the first weekly Shabbat after Pesach, okay? Hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, write to us. We'll try to help clear that up some more. But anyways, if Pesach happens on Wednesday evening, right? That means that Thursday would be the first day of unleavened bread, which you do no rest on, right? But the first Shabbat after Pesach would not occur until Saturday. See how that works? And then you start counting seven full Sabbaths, okay? And once you get to the seventh Sabbath, that will be 49 days. The very next day, the 50th day, keep that in mind too for just a moment, but the 50th day, that is Shavuot. And sort of, you know, kind of making the whole Protestant Catholic thing happy, Shavuot does always happen on the first day of the week. Shockingly enough. But it doesn't always happen on the same day of the month every year. Now, if you started counting on after the day, after, after the first day of unleavened bread, if you start counting after the first day of unleavened bread, you would always end up on the same day every year. And Yahweh does not state on this particular day of this particular month, you'll celebrate Shavuot. No, he tells you to count because it's going to move. In order for you to know when Shavuot is, you have to count, and he tells us how to count. So that's how we know, or some more evidence of how we know, that we start counting after the first weekly Shabbat, after Pesach. Now, Another thing here, too, if you'll notice here, it also says that Shavuot is going to be a law forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations, okay? And it's also, if you notice in these passages, calling it the Feast or Shavuot of Yahweh, right? It's never calling it a Jewish feast. So, contrary to some who would say this is a Jewish feast and all that Jewish stuff has been done away with, no. Scripture itself refers to these days as Yahweh's feast. And scripture itself, as you can plainly see here, tells about Shavuot as being an everlasting ordinance or a law forever throughout, excuse me, throughout your generations. Okay. Now the word Shavua and henceforth Shavuot comes from Strong's H7620. Now just a little you know, a little bit of a helpful information here. If you're ever looking in a Strong's, they do not give you the conjugation of various words, okay? They will give you the main form. And then you have to 
know how to conjugate it from that point. Otherwise, a Strong's would be ginormous. And as it stands, a Strong's is already pretty thick, okay? I don't feel like getting up to get it right now, but I'd show you. Yeah, it's pretty huge if you have a printed edition. And it's not even all the various congregations. So that's just a little tidbit. If you're looking at Strong's, it always gives you the main one. Now for Shavuot, that comes from the singular Shavua, and that's Strong's H7620. For those of you like me who are nerds and like to take notes, here it is from both Strong's definition and Jacinus's Hebrew lexicon. And now you can view the Brown Driver Briggs entry for Shavua and Shavuot. And then Jastrell's dictionary, mainly concerning the uh, Targums, but this is about Shavua. So it's pretty much the same thing. And then, well, let me back up. Shavua and Shavuot, those are Hebrew terms. However, when we get into the Brichadashah, now we're talking about Greek. And the Greek word for Shavuot, as some of you may know, is the word Pentecoste. Now, what does that sound like? Right, you probably heard that before, the word Pentecost, right? Pentecost or comes from the Greek word Pentecoste, meaning 50, but it's referring to Shavuot, right? And you can see here from the Strong's definition and Thayer's lexicon that that's exactly what it is. It's the festival of Shavuot. It's not something new that came about during the time of the apostles. This was already in place from Moshe, okay? There was a special event that happened that we'll talk about in just a moment, but it wasn't anything new. And then for Pentecoste, here is the Greek-English lexicon entry for that. Now, when people, especially Protestants and Catholics, refer to Pentecost, they're talking generally like they assume it to be a new thing that happened back during the time of the Apostles, and you'll find this account from Acts 2, 1-4. And when the day of the festival of Shavuot had come, they were all with one mind in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from the heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and settled on each one of them, and they were all filled with the set-apart Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them to speak. So, this is what they're referring to as the first Pentecost, right? But it's not true. And if you look in most translations, especially like King James or something, the way this passage starts out, it says, and when the day of Pentecost had come, right? But it's referring to Shavuot, that set of 50. It's the Feast of Shavuot. And there is also a misconception as to this is when the um, 
the Holy Spirit was first given. And if you look in your scriptures, I should have included this, but if you look in your scriptures, there are actually people with the Holy Spirit before this. Okay? So this is not the first of the giving of the Holy Spirit. It happened before this passage in Acts 2. Now, even after this Shavuot, oh, let me back up real quick. In this passage, you also see that they were all, this is talking about the apostles, but they were all with one mind and in one place. Okay? Why were they all with one mind? Well, they had all been following Yeshua and being taught by him. So they were, you know, along with the same mind, but they were brothers. They were getting along. They all had one mind. They were in one accord, right? But pay particular, particular expense. Pay particular attention to where it says that they were all in one place. Okay. So they might've been in agreement. They might've been getting along, working as a team, right? But they were all in one place. Why would they all be in one place at one time? Now that wasn't unusual because I'm sure they would get together every now and then on a regular basis. But for this festival of Shavuot or Pentecost, why would they all be in one place? Well, if you remember back to when we were reading in the Tanakh, Shavuot was one of the three feasts during the year, one of the three Moedim during the year, where all the men would go and present themselves before Yahweh at the temple. And during the time of the apostles, the temple was still standing, the second temple, right? So they were obeying scripture. They were obeying the Tanakh, the law, by being in one place with every other male there too. It wasn't just the apostles. They were there with lots of people. And after you get past this passage we just read, you'll see that they went out and started speaking in tongues, right? And all the people heard them in their own languages. And why were all the people there? Why was there such a crowd? Because it was Shavuot. All the men had come up to present themselves and... Possibly, most likely, a lot of their wives and children and family came with them also. So that's why there was all that crowd and stuff there. It's pretty neat to find out things like this when it all comes together, right? When it just clicks. Now, this wasn't the only time in the Brit Hadashah that they celebrated Shavuot. This wasn't just a one-off. In Exodus 20, 16, for Shaul decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might lose no time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of the festival of Shavuot. Well, again, why was he making such an effort to get to Shavuot? Well, once again, it's because he was expected to present himself at the temple before Yahweh. Then we look at 1 Corinthians 16, 8. Again, Shaul or Paul. And I shall remain in Ephesus until the festival of Shavuot. So this, the first passage we read from Acts 2 wasn't just the only time they kept Shavuot. Now remember, even that passage and all of these passages we read about them keeping Shavuot 
was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua. So we can see from the example set by the apostles that the Torah, the feast days, the Moedim, were not done away. They were still in effect, and the apostles were still keeping them. They were doing as Yeshua instructed them to do, and we can learn not only from Yeshua's example, but also the example of the apostles. So, what about some legends concerning Shavuot and this Moedim? Well, this is not drastically important. This is just for interest's sake. I found it interesting. But Jewish tradition purports that Shavuot is the anniversary of the giving of the Torah. Where do you find this in Scripture? Nowhere. Okay? Now, I'm not going to badmouth it. Um, it's kind of neat to think about, but it cannot be proven from Scripture. Can we prove that it did not happen? No. No, we can't prove that they're wrong, but we can't prove from Scripture that they're right. It's just something interesting to know and understand that Jewish tradition tells that Shavuot is the time when the Torah was given to the people on Mount Sinai. Jewish tradition also um, purports that Shavuot is when King Dawid was born and also when he died. That he was born on Shavuot and he died on Shavuot. How do we prove that? Again, we can't, but we can't prove it didn't happen either. It's just something interesting to think about. Now we get into uh, Christian tradition, and Christian tradition purports that Shavuot, or what they call Pentecost, is when the Spirit of the Holy, or Holy Spirit, was given to the church. And look at there. I did include some stuff, okay? Now we just read Acts 2, 1-4. through We'll read it one more time. And when the day of the festival of Shavuot had come, they were all with one mind in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from the heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and settled on each one of them. And they were all filled with the set-apart spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them to speak. Like I mentioned earlier, this is where churchianity tradition states that the Holy Spirit was given, okay? That's when the uh, new dispensation of the Holy Spirit, right? But is that true? Well, let's look at that. John twenty twenty two, And having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the set-apart Spirit. So the Spirit of the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the set-apart Spirit, whatever you want to call it, was already given before that time in Acts, okay? During the research, i come across one quote that said that Christmas is the birthday of Jesus and Pentecost is the birthday of the Holy Spirit. No, we can see here, A, we know that Christmas is not the birthday of our Messiah, but B, we can see here from Scripture for our very own eyes, that the set-apart spirit, or the Holy Spirit, was given and received before Yeshua was crucified, buried, and rose. Okay? So, no, Shavuot, 
or Pentecost is not the beginning of the dispensation of the Holy Spirit or the birthday of the Holy Spirit. It happened way before that. So what about some celebration? How do you go about celebrating Shavuot? Well, there's not too much in Scripture about as far as guidelines on celebrating Shavuot, especially like there is with Pesach, right? You've got a lot of things to go on with Pesach, and you've got some things to go on with Sukkot, but not so much for Shavuot. It just says to celebrate it, right? Which kind of leaves it fairly open-ended, which is sometimes kind of nice as well. But the way some within Judaism celebrate it, and this is just as guidelines, not as requirements, but they will decorate with fresh flowers and leafy, good-smelling stuff, and they can they will decorate themselves, as you see on the picture here, with these brightly colored, new, fresh flowers and good-smelling stuff. And they also decorate their homes and their synagogues or churches with it as well. Now, as far as food goes, milk and honey are the name of the game for Shavuot, at least according to tradition. And this comes a lot based on what we find in Scripture about the land or the promised land being filled with milk and honey. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the biggest thing is the dairy products, okay? And especially like cheese and cheesecake, okay? So if you're looking for food to eat on Shavuot, go off the theme of milk and honey, but there's no restrictions like there is with Pesach. Just go for it. You know, whatever you like, all kosher, right? No pig, no shellfish, stuff like that. All things kosher, but, you know, use your imagination. Go for it. Now, as far as things to do on Shavuot, this is, again, according to Jewish tradition, but it's guidelines. Maybe give some ideas for what you would like to do. But on the first night of Shavuot, the people stay up all night reading, studying, and learning Torah. Now there's a, how do I say this? There's a Jewish legend that goes behind that as well. It doesn't come from scripture, but there is a reason why Jews do that. However, anytime that you read, learn, and study Torah, that's always a good time, right? In all of scripture as well. Then on the first day of Shavuot, you would go to a synagogue or a church, whatever you want to call it, and hear the Ten Commandments read aloud. Now, this goes back to the tradition or the legend that Shavu or um, the Torah was given on Shavuot. Okay. Also on Shavuot. Now, this gets really interesting as well. They read the Book of Ruth on the first day of Shavuot. Why is this interesting? Well, number one, Ruth was not a native-born Israelite. Okay? Which is, number one, interesting. Okay, number two, the book of Ruth talks about harvesting in the fields, okay? And Shavuot is a 
harvest Moedim. So that kind of connects Ruth and Shavuot as well. For us, those in the Messianic way of thinking, we have a connection to the book of Ruth as well. Because, like I said, Ruth was a Moabite, not an Israeli. She was not a native-born Israeli, but she was grafted in, much like a lot of us are, that we are not native-born Israelites. We are pagans, non-believers, what they call Gentiles, right? And then we are born again, we become saved, we're converted, and then we become, as Scripture says, of Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise, and now we are of the nation of Israel. And we took that sort of same journey as Ruth did. Okay, So this reading of Ruth connects to Messianics as well. Very, very interesting. And the book of Ruth is not that long, so you can get through it way less than a day. Also, within Judaism, within Judaism, Psalm 67 is recited on Shavuot. And the reason for this is composed of 49 words, and there were previously 49 days since the first Shabbat after Pesach. And Shavuot is also a day when children, especially like young children, are introduced to the study of Torah and when small children learn the Aleph Bet. Now, of course, this requires someone in the home who already knows the Aleph Bet, right? Hopefully you're learning that like we all should be. But, you know, that's when small children learn not only the Aleph Bet, but also learn about studying Torah. Now, remember, we um, mentioned that milk and honey are big themes on Shavuot. And there's not a direct commandment in Scripture that says, eat milk and honey on Shavuot. Nothing like that. But it does reference the promised land as being filled with milk and honey. And this is where that theme of milk and honey comes from on Shavuot. Let's look at Leviticus 20:24. 20, but I say to you, you are going to possess their land, and I myself give it to you to possess it, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am Yahweh your Elohim, who has separated you from the peoples. So there's one reference to milk and honey and the promised land. Again, Numbers 14.8. If Yahweh has delighted in us, then he shall bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which is flowing with milk and honey. Now, those are just two passages. And as you see on your screen here, there are many others as well referring to the land as being filled with milk and honey, as being a fruitful and great place to be. Passages like Exodus 3.8, 3.17, 13.5, 33.3, Leviticus 20.24, Numbers 13.27, Numbers 14.8, Deuteronomy 6, 11, 9, 26, 9, 26, 15, 27, 3, 31, 20, etc., etc. Why did I read all those out? Well, because we got some people listening on audio podcast, and that way they get to hear all those references also. So, in summary, Shavuot 
I should have clarified this better. In scripture, it speaks of Shavuot as one day. Now within Judaism, they speak of Shavuot as a two-day feast, but only outside of Yisrael. Okay. Inside Yisrael, they keep Shavuot as a one-day feast. We should have put that up on the screen. Sorry about that. Also, Shavuot is 50 days after the first Shabbat after Pesach, right? And that's Shavuot, or on Shavuot, the first day, if you're doing a two-day observance, or the day of Shavuot, is a rest day. You do no servile work. And that is according to Scripture, as we saw. On Shavuot, Scripture reading, studying, and learning is a big deal. And with Shavuot, milk and honey are the main theme on Shavuot, right? So look up your recipes. Maybe you've already got some. You could do the Haru set again if you wanted to, right? Because it generally has honey in the recipe. But use your imagination. Like I said, Scripture does not restrict us and tell us, don't eat this and do eat this on Shavuot. It just says, celebrate Shavuot, right? And that is just the God honest truth.